I was listening to an episode of Sam Harris's podcast. So I, this is a podcast I listen to a lot. If you don't know Sam Harris, uh, look him up. But he's uh, an author and uh, neuroscientist and podcaster. I've actually met him in person when he spoke one time in New York. Actually, a friend of mine works directly with him, so they're friends. One of the big effects he had on me, I was listening to one of his podcasts one time. He had a guest that he disagreed with a lot, and they were arguing. And at a certain point, he said, he just stopped and said, not stopped, but like, okay, we're done. And he went back right into friendly mode. And this was a big learning experience for me, that he found people he disagreed with, disagreed with them wholeheartedly, but did not lose friendship with them and was able to keep talking with them. That's an aside. He also talks a lot about consciousness and he meditates a lot and, and promotes meditation, the experience of life and what we get out of it. He's done a lot of psychedelics and promotes for those, who, I mean, listen to his, what he says about psychedelics, but he talks about psychedelics a lot. And in particular, there's an episode that I listened to with a guy named Roland Griffiths. Roland Griffiths is, I'm going to read his bio here. He's a professor of, in the departments of psychiatry and neuroscience at the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine, the founding director of the Johns Hopkins Center on Psychedelic and Consciousness Research, author of over 380 journal articles. So he's a big-time scientist. He's also the guy who started the or restarted research into psychedelics. So he would have patients come in and try LSD and shrooms and things like that. Now, I'm going to play a clip, but before I play the clip, regular listeners of this podcast hear me asking a lot of guests what the environment means to them. And they've heard a lot of the answers. I've certainly heard a lot of the answers. And the answers of people in regular people, not talking about drug use, just talking about their experiences of nature. First, when I ask them what nature means to them, they usually talk about, oh, it's all going to fall apart. And, and, and the news says that the sea levels and stuff like that. When they talk about their experiences in nature, they talk about experiences that are very meaningful to them, often that stick with them their whole lives. So here, this clip is going to be Griffith's description of people talking about their experiences taking psychedelics. And I put to you that what his description of it is exactly what I hear when I hear people talking about their experiences in nature. I put to you that we mostly live with no direct connection to nature. And of course, we're all part of nature and so forth. But when we're, when we're in a concrete jungle surrounded by buildings all the time, not walking among the trees or on the beach by the ocean, that experience that our ancestors had all the time, or at least had access to, we don't know what we're missing. So here's a clip of Griffiths, who has heard many people describing and studied many people describing the experience of psychedelics. For those who've listened to a lot of people talking about what the environment means to them, I predict you're going to find a lot of similarity. Far and away, the most interesting area with these drugs is that they produce at least two kinds of very memorable effects. One is that they're quite apt to produce under supported conditions, under optimized conditions, they're likely to produce a constellation of phenomenological effects that really map onto classical mystical type experiences. So, you know, the, the description of those, and actually psychologists in the psychology of religion who have paid a lot of attention to that and developed questionnaires that probe those kinds of effects and have factor analyzed the components of those effects would suggest that those effects can be described as six kinds of categorical features. One being the sense of unity, the sense of the interconnectedness of all people and things. 
Another is a sense of the preciousness of these experiences. Some people might use the term sacredness or reverence, but there's something compellingly, impressively deserving of respect for Mm. these experiences. There's a sense that's described by William James as the noetic sense, the sense that there's something more real and more true about these experiences than everyday waking consciousness. And then there are positive mood, very often sense of open-heartedness, transcendence, joy, transcendence of time and space where the past and the future collapse into the present moment. So it's all about right now. Space becomes either vast or endless or totally empty. And then this sense of ineffability, one of the first things that people say after having such an experience is that I can't put it into into words. Those are the features of something we call the mystical type experience. And I, I regret that was a branding error on our part to, to uh, develop a scale with that name because it, it's mm. an empirically derived scale. It doesn't assume yeah, any non, non-material kind of spiritual realities. It's just hard, hardcore science. And, you know, we've done the appropriate psychometrics to evaluate that scale. There is a justification for it in the sense that these kinds of experiences are the classical, contemplative, religious, mystical experiences, which are, again, the experiences of a human brain under some parameters. And it's just a fact that these drugs are not producing experiences that the brain isn't capable of having. I mean, you would expect somebody somewhere to have experiences precisely of this kind without having ingested one of these compounds. I'm going to repeat a few things that you heard. And if you've listened to a lot of people talking about what the environment means to them, or if you think about some of the experiences you've had in the environment, he talked about a feeling of unity, a feeling of how precious it is, how sacred it is, how these moments deserve respect. Noetic, what he said, it feels to be more true, more real. I mean, these things really describe in my experience in the environment as compared to my walking around in Greenwich Village as much as I love Greenwich Village or flying in an airplane or consuming doof. He talked about an open-heartedness, a positive valence, that it's a transcendent moment. Then there's this transcendence of time and space. People often talk about this oneness and how it's, it's eternal. And then this ineffability that it's very difficult to put into words these experiences. And I put to you that the experiences that he described that people have with psychedelics is available through nature. I hear it all the time when I ask people about their experiences in nature, what nature means to them. But nearly no one today, at least that I talk to, lives in nature. Yes, nature is everywhere, but you know what I mean. Living inside boxes is different than living out under the stars. It used to be everywhere all the time, not cut off from us. A little while ago, I went to sleep on the roof of my building. So my building is 15, 16 stories high. So I went up to the roof and I thought, oh, this is going to be great. It'll be a little more quiet up there. It's summer. I'm going to get some breezes as opposed to the heat in my apartment. It was super bright, super loud, and super uncomfortable. Even when I'm trying to get a, a bit away from things, it's impossible. Just, I mean, it was, I mean, there's stuff on the rooftop. I think it's the central air for the building, which I don't use. And the elevator, I think, all this machinery up there. 
the lights are on all the time. Why they're up on all the time, I don't know. But there's no direct access to sleep under the stars for, I think, I mean, more than half the world lives in cities now. So more than half the world can't have access to these things. Now, there's a second part that I want to play. This is another clip that is not just a cool experience that you get. There's extended life value. So this other clip is going to describe what the value is over the course of a lifetime of experiences like this. One thing I really haven't talked about is what the, con- the long-term consequences of having these kinds of experiences are. But, you know, it turns out that people months after this, after this experience, if asked how important was that experience or how meaningful was that experience on a, on a lifetime scale from, you know, like a daily experience to once a week, once a month, once a year, once every five years, you know, 10 most, five most, single most important or meaningful experience of your life. We have about 80%, 90% of people saying it's in the top five Hmm. most meaningful, spiritually significant experiences of their entire lifetime, comparing it to the birth of a firstborn child or the death of a parent. And that is simply astounding to me. So as a clinical pharmacologist who's worked with dozens of psychoactive drugs and given them at high doses to people and I'm accustomed to querying people about their effects. That observation literally blew me away because there's something about these experiences that people interpret as having enduring meaning going forward. I mean, so if you give a high dose of a opiate or a sedative or cocaine and ask ask someone a month later, tell me about that experience, they'll remember it. Oh yeah, you know, it's like I got drunk, you know, we had we were laughing, we had fun, whatever. But it's just it's a memory. The people who have these kinds of experiences really talk about the enduring salience of that experience. It's not uncommon for people to say, you know, I continue to think about that experience every day, or it's just inform my life going forward. And that's the curiosity about, about these, uh, these effects. The other component about it that I think is so interesting is that it has this strong positive valence to it, very often in a strong pro-social direction. So there's something about these experiences. I think it's particularly the unity, the sense that everything is connected and the profound sense that we're all in this together. There's something incredibly humbling Mm. about these experiences. And if that's coupled with the reverence for it and the truth value of it, that this is real, more real and more true than everyday waking consciousness, that becomes reorganizational in a way that I I think has profound ethical and moral implications. To close off, I want to repeat about this endearing value. It is available or was available all the time. Our, Our ancestors had access to it all the time. Our world, we isolate us from each other, from nature, from wildlife. I mean, in New York, I can't go out and listen to birds chirping. I was just talking to my doorman this morning. He was just coming back from a vacation in the Bahama, no, the in the Caribbean. And he was talking about how it was so quiet there. And I said, was it quiet? Because when I visit my mom outside the city, 
it's not actually quiet. There's a lot of bird song. It's not quiet, but it feels quiet. And he goes, yeah, yeah, actually, that's, that's accurate. There's always birds chirping. There's always noise, but it's a pleasant noise. The noise we have here is when noises that come from things that burn fossil fuels, cars, trucks, fire engines, jackhammers, those who listen to my podcast enough know that the firefighters across the street, they test what's basically a chainsaw every day. Not a pleasant noise. Not many birds chirping. We are wrecking what used to be there, what was always we had access to all the time. We don't need drugs to get those experiences. I'm not saying don't use them, but there's something like a cure for the disease of cutting ourselves off from nature, paving things over, putting walls around everything, and killing all the wildlife. I say instead of a cure, let's take away the disease. Let's stop the disease and make nature accessible all the time. I wanted to play those clips to show how much we're missing that we use. I'm not saying don't use drugs, but we feel like we need to get to those things.